Dr. Glenn. This is a 48-year-old female who, at the time of her presentation, had experienced a four-month history of cramping abdominal pain, and this was relieved with episodes of diarrhea. She had about a 20-pound weight loss. There had been no rectal bleeding. The patient was seen in GI consultation. She had near-obstructing lesion in the descending colon. Her preoperative assessments of CT, CEA, CBC, LFTs were all normal. There was no obvious site of metastasis. There was a faint abnormality of approximately 7 millimeters in the right lobe of the liver. At the time of surgery, the patient had a 3 centimeter infiltrating moderately well-differentiated tumor, which was resected. Tumor extended into subserosal adipose tissue. There were four of seven nodes sampled demonstrating evidence of tumor. Margins, margins of resection were clear. At the time of surgery, the surgeon palpated two nodules in the right lower of the liver, and he was suspicious but couldn't readily visualize these lesions. He was able to rotate the liver somewhat medially and did get a biopsy of one of the lesions, which did demonstrate metastatic disease. So, Axel, what would you be thinking about in this situation? A patient who seems like, I guess, was potentially surgically resectable based on the location, the number, et cetera. Is that the case, Phil? Yes. So the patient had a resection and liver lesions were not addressed at that point? No. I spoke to a surgeon after the procedure and he said I really couldn't visualize it well enough and didn't feel comfortable going after those either of those two lesions. And you told me that part of the issue was he felt like if that was going to be done, it'd be better off at another he, center. He, he then wanted to refer the patient to somebody who was doing more hepatic resection. Great idea. Because, I mean, this patient is, in theory and in practice, potentially curable situation. And you want to maximize the outcome. And if the surgeon already acknowledges, you know, he doesn't feel comfortable, that's the ideal situation for referral, where we can then, to a, a high-end center where we can use techniques like intraoperative ultrasound, for instance, to really clearly visualize the metastasis. We probably get a high-resolution CT scan and all these things. And we have trained liver surgeons who do this every day. And I would pick your center of preference as a high-volume center, and you can easily refer those patients. So what I want to know is, and maybe we can just very briefly talk about what was presented at ASCO in this regard, is would you just send the patient to surgery, or would you use neoadjuvant systemic therapy? Jordan? Well, Dr. Norlinger presented data from EORTC in which they randomly assigned patients to perioperative Folfox before and after surgery versus surgery alone in theory. But there were two main issues that we don't know the answer to. How many people had gotten previous therapies, what types of previous therapies, and how many people got post-op adjuvant therapy after the surgery on the control arm. And those issues may play a big role. With the overall group, there was a trend towards improvement in three-year disease-free survival. And with the actual, it was the intent-to-treat group, right, Axel? The intent-to-treat intent group, there was actually statistical significance. The eligibility criteria. Yeah. yeah. People fit the eligibility criteria. Those patients actually there was a statistical significant improvement in survival. Having said that, the numbers are not so wide that I would necessarily feel compelled that you have to give neoadjuvant therapy based on that data, especially with all the questions that still remain on this trial. It's still early, a first presentation of the data, and, of course, uh, three-year disease-free survival 
versus five-year overall survival that Dan Sargent showed was relevant to patients who were stage three patients. We don't know if stage four resected is the same biologic disease. The bottom line to me is that I think that this person is reasonable for either surgery or neoadjuvant therapy. We tend to still favor surgery at our place. I don't know about Axel. Yeah, I mean, there are several points that I think complicate this a little bit. First of all, there is a difference in our understanding of this individual tumor patient's tumor biology, whether it's a synchronous or a metachronous metastasis. If you have a synchronous metastasis, you mean you diagnose the metastasis at the time of primary tumor diagnosis, you really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you can resect the liver metastasis, and two months later, you find another spot somewhere else. The situation is very different if you, let's say, had a diagnosis of a colon cancer three years ago, and the tumor declares itself with a single solitary metastasis somewhere, which indicates, you know, this is probably someone you would definitely send to surgery right away, take it out, and then give some adjuvant chemotherapy. So my default in synchronous metastasis normally is rather give neoadjuvant chemotherapy and then go for a resection afterwards in order to address potentially micrometastatic disease somewhere else. In this specific scenario here, where the surgeon already had problems visualizing and finding the metastasis, I would probably go for surgery right away because even in the high-end centers, you know, with ultrasound, whatever, my surgeons tell me don't treat too complete response. If this metastasis disappears, it makes it more difficult for the surgeon. We are not there yet. Actually, it's an interesting idea coming back to breast cancer and neoadjuvant therapy, kind of putting a marker in the metastasis and using this as a guidance for surgery later. We all think, you know, when we look at CT scans or whatever, we might be able, okay, this is here and the surgeon should be able to find it. I don't want to sacrifice half a liver for the surgeon to really take out a small little metastasis. So in this patient here, I would probably go for surgery right away, then give some adjuvant chemotherapy, because what I understand from the Nolan J ERTC trial is it doesn't really tell us should we treat before or after surgery in resective liver metastasis, but it shows a benefit for using chemotherapy in the context of resected stage 4 disease. And this is actually the greatest achievement of the trial because we so far extrapolated data from stage 3 disease to stage 4, resected stage 4 disease. Now we have some basis to stand on saying, okay, this really helps our patients. So we'll just close with a follow-up on this patient. So the patient recovered from her surgery. I was concerned about the synchronous issue and actually gave her a few months of systemic chemotherapy, Mm -hmm. repeated her scans, and there was no significant change. She was referred to the surgeon who we had already collaborated with this situation, and she had wedge resection of the lesion with cryotherapy, and then subsequently I gave her six months of 5-FU leucovorin, and she's now disease-free doing 5 12 years later. So he was a little bit ahead of his time, so to speak. No, that's great because, you know... 10 years ago, whatever, 5 to 10 years ago, not everyone thought of these situations as potentially curable. And this case really outlines and highlights we can cure some of these patients with stage 4 disease. And this is, there's one point where colon cancer is ahead of breast cancer. And I don't know if it's going to happen in breast cancer. It just seems right, like... We might have a different biology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly. You know, we've talked about this in breast, but any thoughts about this issue in terms of long-term curability, metast- you know, oligomet or metastatic disease just to the liver, Jordan? What are the kinds of numbers that you give patients, and how do you shade that up or down based on various... You well, know, you know, the old data was about 30, 35% were cured with one to three liver mats. With Nordling-J's data in terms of bringing patients from incurable to curable, it's more like about 20% to five years. 
but one of the interesting things that's out there is there was a trial of PET scan because we're now in a different era than those old data of 30, 35%. One, we're giving chemotherapy afterwards, which we might not have done very often back then. And two, of course, our chemos have gotten better. And three, our radiographic examinations have gotten better. So the CTs and the CT PETs that are modern era, it's interesting that they may have changed things too by helping us to upstage, so to speak, a lot of patients who we would have resected before, but we find distant metastatic disease that was missed on the old quality CAT scans, no PET scans. So there was one trial that looked at it and saw about 18% of patients who were found to be, quote, upstaged, not really upstaged since all stage four is stage four, but upstaged with PET scan added on. And intriguingly, there was one abstract a couple of years ago, a year or two ago at ASCO, of a group of patients who had resection in the modern era and all been evaluated PET scan, and their five-year actuarial disease-free survival was 50%, which would be about adding 18% to the 30 35%. What's so the, I thought it was interesting. What's this woman's life been like the last 12 years, Phil? Great. She works in an administrative capacity in the town hall, and she's fully active, perfectly fine. 